Good morning, everybody. Can you guys guys all hear me okay? Well, welcome this morning to uh, the culmination, the final installment of At The Movies. Everybody say, aww. You guys all sad? So sincere, very sincere. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be really good. Turn to your second choice and say, this is going to be really good. Everybody has a second choice, right? (laughs) Well, just for those of you who are here for the first time, we're basically... Uh, taking movies to communicate uh, truth and biblical truth. Uh, Jesus would use parables. He had 39 parables in the New Testament. Uh, and when he, would, when he would tell, you know, something that would be meaningful and very important, he would always use culture or he would use something that, you know, people could kind of connect with and, and uh, it would pop for them and they would nod their head. And he was an incredible communicator. He didn't have to uh, do a lot of advertising. He didn't have to come up with message openers and promotional materials and say, hey, come on down to the Sea of Galilee. I'll be speaking there tonight. Everybody just showed up because he was an incredible uh, communicator. And so what we're doing is we're just kind of modernizing the parable and just using things that we all connect with. And one of those things that we connect with that are so powerful is, of course, movies. And we've taken a movie each week to kind of communicate some important truths. And apparently, uh, all you connect family, I sometimes distinguish uh, different groups of people within an audience. And sometimes when I'm communicating, I'm trying to reach different people at different places. But to our spiritual family, those are kind of connect, connected and, and at a committed level. Uh, we had 56 decisions for Christ in the four weeks that we've talked about this. So I just thought you guys might want to know that. Yeah, those are people that have crossed the line of faith and just said, you know, I'm in. I want to give my life and heart and be a follower of Christ. Isn't that powerful? So even though we have a lot of people away God, today, God's done a lot of things in the previous four weeks. Amen. I want to also encourage people that, you know, when you do make a decision, that's just the starter kit for Christianity. God wants us to not just be decision makers, but disciples, people who are followers of Christ, where it affects our life. It's something that happens. I hope that, you know, um, we just had a little gathering just this last Friday night, and some people were saying some some nice things to each other. And and one of the things that really stood out was just how uh, congruency in our lives affects people. In other words, the, the same person you see here, hopefully, is the same person you see out there. And, and that's where your faith is really, you know, faith without action, the Bible says, is what? Yeah. It's dead. Yeah, it's just dead. So we want to see something that actually works. People want to say, hey, not so much what is he saying, but is it working? And people are looking for that. And so in order for that to actually become a reality, we have to move from a decision to a disciple make, a disciple a disciple who then disciples people who become disciples. And so one of the things that you can do is you got to get in a relationship. And we believe that growth happens not because of the awesome services that you worship and, and messages you hear every single week here, but not so much that, but because you get into a context or a community of relationships. That's where life change happens is in the context of relationships. So we encourage you to get plugged in to a church family, get some great friends, get, a, get you know, in a group because, you know, great stuff happens in a group. Amen? All right, so I want to introduce today's um, movie to you. We've got a little trailer kind of compilation here. I want you to see where we don't give it all away, but we give a little bit away. Why don't you just dim the lights and let's show what we're going to talk about today.
Loving that music. <laughs> it's amazing how in a minute and 37 seconds it can change the atmosphere of a room, a movie, amen? <laughs> um, so just before we get into the, kind of the, some of the deep truths within this particular movie, how many have ever seen the movie Captain Phillips? Raise your hand. All right. Um, pretty intense movie. I promise it won't get overly intense. We've, we've omitted some of the, the scenes that would shock and awe some people, but there are some things inside this particular movie that I think can help us all. But I want to start a little bit on the lighter side. Everybody say the lighter side. A little different than maybe the last four weeks, just kind of to make a point and build on a point. You know, everybody in life, they have something that you, uh, at one time or another, you've gone after something with passion, right? Uh, hopefully, you know, maybe it was a girlfriend, you know, maybe it was, you know, I used to bike like 20 miles just to get an ice cream cone when I was a kid. But uh, there's always something that you kind of, you go after those things with passion. And, and sometimes you, you, you'd even like, you lose your mind over it. You, you could even, you, you're kind of insane about the kind of things that you'll go after. And you may not know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to take you back just a little bit. So I want to show you a picture right now. When I was a, when I was a, a young man at Christmas time, my parents gave me one of these. I don't know if you remember this. Atari game system, come on. Chopper Command, baby. Tank Commander. Pac-Man. All right, anybody know what I'm talking about out there, right? Yeah. I stayed up all night wondering if I was going to get this, okay? I mean, people were losing their mind talking about this game system that was going to come out. People were lining up at stores, you know, trying to get this. They were just freaking out. People losing their mind over this. And this has progressed to, you know, I can't even name all the game systems that have come out. PlayStation, PlayStation 2. I knew people that took time off from work to go to Circuit City, stand in line the night before, before the doors opened. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? Insane over a game system. This is what people would do. And why? I don't know. I mean, because today, that's a piece of junk. You know what I'm saying? Another thing I can remember people going nuts over, pull up the next, the next picture, is the iPhone, okay? Now, I'm not talking about the iPhone 687, the, the, the latest model that just came out. I'm talking about the first iPhone. How many got an iPhone in here? Raise your hand. Look around, look around, look around, all the Christians. That's, we're a church for non-Christians, so I mean, that's, the rest of you, that's why we're here, to help show you the way. Uh, but the, fir- when the first iPhone came out again. People were, go- the demand was so high, there were back orders for months just trying to get the first version of the iPhone. Now let's go from just kind of ridiculous to crazy. There was also a scene, this was back in the 90s, and this is the honest truth. Some of you guys remember this, some of you won't. There was a time when we go out of our minds to get one of these. Pull up this next picture. <laughs> Tickle Me Elmo, baby. Tickle Me Elmo. Anybody remember Tickle Me Elmo? Yeah, I saw people on the side of the road, on the highway, selling these, and people would stop on 495 to buy one of those. If any one of y'all did that, don't come back here, <laughs> ever. You're just weird, okay? I hope you weren't one of those people. The point is, there are things in life, the, the, the crazy point here, and there is one, is that there are things in this life that we, that we go after, we're crazy about, we'll do anything to get one of those, tickle me Elmo's, to get one of those iPhone, to get my Atari game system, We'll, we'll do anything to get the one 
thing that's just going to change everything. Why? Because that thing has value to us. It has value to us. And then what's interesting is a lot of those things over a very short period of time have zero vowel. You know, nil, nada, nothing. And that's kind of what I want to catch, you know, help you catch today is kind of impart something to you. And in your notes, in your worship guide, there's a text there, Luke chapter 15. And it talks about the story of a shepherd. Jesus talked about this shepherd, and the shepherd was pursuing something that many of us don't necessarily connect to. We don't necessarily appreciate, but they did. The shepherd was going after pursuing a sheep. Everybody say sheep. Be careful. Be careful when you say that. Sheep. In our culture, there's this kind of, there's this kind of um, I don't know, this, this story doesn't connect with our culture. We don't necessarily get it because pr- there's probably not a lot of shepherds in the room here. You know, um, if you are one, don't raise your hand. And, um, and, and that's why we sometimes go out of our way to take something that's old and kind of bring it into the new. And that's why we kind of have a little modern version of some of the principles that are in the story that we'll get to in just a little bit. But there is in this story a truth we all need as Christ followers. And we need to wrap our minds around. Luke 15, 3, it says this. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. Everybody say a hundred sheep. And loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now think about if you ever had 100 anything. I can remember when I used to have those, those rolls of pennies. And I would just roll up pennies and, and, and you know, put those in those 50s. And then we, there was a penny candy store uh, right off of uh, uh, um, Concord Street. And um, in Ashland, we go buy penny candy, all, you know, all eye high for a kid. You know what I'm saying? And uh, strategically located there. But there's, and I'll, this is not, this is a uh, point of vulnerability and honesty, but there have been times where I've just kind of thrown away pennies now. You know, just discard it. I had so many pennies, I just w- didn't think much about another penny. There are things in our life that where we have 99 and we necessarily, you know, we, we don't really appreciate or look at the one. And to be honest with you, when I read this story for the first time, would I leave the 99 and go get the one? My answer had to be, if I was truthful, no, I wouldn't because it's a sheep. You know, I didn't see the value. I would just call animal control or something like that to go get the sheep because we don't, in some instances, value the one. But when Jesus was talking to these shepherds, he was trying to connect with them and share with them how important this one sheep was. And it may not matter to us, but I started studying just this last week uh, shepherds and sheep. Got a little bit more information than I wanted to get about shepherds and sheep, if I'm honest with you. I didn't know that the, 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 the anatomical design of a sheep was such that if it fell on its back, it would die within an hour. But that was an interesting piece of trivia. Yeah, bah! You know, I, just, I, I was laughing by myself about that. But what I did learn is that shepherds are different, you know, than a lot of other professions in many respects. Because they had a very uh, intimate relationship with sheep. They know their sheep. The sheep knew them. The sheep were very accustomed to the voice, the call, specific calls, uh, even by name, the shepherds would know. In this particular story, it was very likely that a shepherd knew every single one of the hundred sheep by name. He knew the marks and distinctions of each one of those sheep, whether it be a ewe or, or a ram. I didn't even know 
the male and female parts of sheep. But in this culture and probably in this instance, again, it's totally different to us. But to them, it was a very, very big deal. So then he goes on in chapter 15. It says, when he finds the sheep that he went after, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and then he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one. He makes a big contrast here. Big, big contrast. One sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Repentance means to basically change your direction. Not do a 360, but to do a 180. A lot of times we say we're sorry and we do 360s, but God wants us to do 180s. Amen? So, so that's what he's talking about here. One person that would just cross that line and say, I'm no longer doing things my way, but I'm going to go ahead and submit to God's way. I'm not just going to put my trust in myself. I'm going to transfer my trust to God. I'm not just going to be, you know, uh, in the front seat and God in the back seat. God's going to be in the front seat, and I'm going to submit and be in the back seat and let him kind of lead and direct my life. That's what, when God will go out of his way to get that one. In fact, in this verse, he's saying he throws a party over that. And I'm thinking, dude, it's a sheep. They threw a party over the one sheep that came home. And for us, again, we don't get it. But, but a point of contrast for us might be, think of something that was valuable to you that maybe was lost. Maybe even take it up a notch and think of what it would be like if something that was important to you that had value to you was, was taken from you. Was, it was kidnapped. And, and that maybe will connect the dots for you. Because the one mattered to them. Um, if you saw, you know, uh, there's different movies that, that make it vivid and we tend to uh, embrace and engage the story immediately because we identify so quickly. There were movies like Taken and Ransom and Prisoner and 12 Years a Slave. And you, when you see these particular stories, you realize there were these individuals whose lives were completely uprooted and their lives were completely altered. And one person taken from their, their homes and their lives. And so when Jesus was sharing this particular parable, like those movies, everyone in this particular story is nodding their head like, yeah, I would definitely go after that one sheep, no doubt about it. Has everybody started to connect with this now? So, but for us, again, it's, it's different. I remember recently um, I was in Florida and uh, suffering for Jesus. And uh, while I was there, I lost my wallet. And uh, never lose my iPhone, but lose my wallet. Um, <laughs> But I lost my wallet, and it was about three days of complete, like, panic, you know? Totally preoccupied, uh, couldn't, just had a hard time kind of really focusing. Um, I had to have my passport sent from, from Boston down to Florida so I could even, you know, possibly get home. And it was really only until literally the last day we are pulling into the parking lot to drop off the rental car. And the lady's coming out to check us out. And as she's coming, I, uh, I get this, like, I felt, you can dismiss this if you want, but I felt like uh, God was just saying, it's right under the seat. And I turn to my wife and I go, honey, I know we've checked this car a million times, but I just feel like, and I told her, and she'll verify this, I told her, I said, I think God's telling me it's in the car. Can we just check one more time? So literally, I just went like this. I, I got out, opened the door, stuck my hand just like that, and there it was. The wallet was right there. <laughs> Uh, it was unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. But prior to that, I, I was so preoccupied with it. Why? Because that which I lost had so much value and importance to me. Imagine how God feels 
If this is the story that he chooses to use to people who would understand and connect with it, if this is the story that he might be choosing to use to help you connect with it, how does God feel about the one, the one? Here's our big idea, and you can put this in your notes. Jesus is always willing to go after the one. He is and always is willing to go after the one. And I believe this principle is inextricably connected to your spiritual growth and maturity. A lot of people, they want to go deep. They want to go deep. Pastor, when are we going to go deep? Listen, when we start living the lessons we've learned, we'll be going deep. We'll be going deep. We are called to be like him and do what he does. And this is how he rolls. And your relationship with God is it's connected. It, your, the health and maturity of this relationship is directly and inextricably linked to the health and relationships that you have with the people that God has put in your life. And those people are not always perfect. Those people are porcupine people. Those people are, you know, difficult, imperfect people. We are called to love imperfect people. Your, your sphere of influence is really an ocean of opportunity and obedience to this lifestyle and principle. So what you're about to see in this particular movie is this, and here's the context. There's this, there's this cargo ship, the, the Marsk or Maersk, I think is how you say it, Alabama, and it has been hijacked by uh, pirates, four pirates, somewhere in the Indian Ocean, about 240 nautical miles outside of Somalia. And this, uh, this group of pirates take the ship. The siege was eventually ended by the U.S. Navy in April 12th of 2009. It was actually the first successful pirate seizure of a ship registered under an American flag since the early 19th century. This was a big deal. And as before, as, uh, as, as I've stated in these different messages, try to put yourself into the story. Try to imagine what it would be like for you. Try to learn something as if you were in it yourself. Uh, Tom Hanks, of course, is the key actor, and he plays Captain Phillips, and he's an average guy, just kind of an ordinary guy. He's just trying to go through his life, go from point A to point B. He's a family man. Uh, he loves his wife, and he's just trying to you know, maybe build you know, some wherewithal so he can retire. And, and that's kind of his win, and I think that's many of our win. We're just kind of going day to day, week to week, and we don't want any trouble, but sometimes trouble finds us. You know, the Bible says, and you may not believe in him, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, my father would say, son of the morning, turn renegade, (laughs) diablo. Uh, He goes around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But then the first part of the verse, it says, be sober, be uh, alert, Captain Phillips knew piracy was a big deal at this time. Um, he was intellectually prepared. He had prepared his crew and his men. At this particular uh, season, uh, I think it was in, within a 12-month period, there were 1,000 acts of piracy in the Indian Ocean. It was a big deal. And he was aware of the potential danger, as you saw in the opening clip. And so he took precautions, he prepared his men, and and they had these skills and drills that they went through, and they were kind of routine and frustrating sometimes, and the the kind of the crew probably didn't enjoy it. You remember when we were growing up, or maybe even, you know, in your business, where you had fire drills? Anybody remember fire drills? I didn't say Chinese fire drills. Fire drills, you know, where, and you go through these motions, and, and you go through these routines, but the truth is... We're really not ready until something happens. Well, in this next clip, something happens. Check this out. What's up, Cap? Everything okay? I don't like the look of that. 
Yeah, Cap. Chief, I want all your guys on station. We're still in the drill? No, this is real world. We got someone coming up on our starboard quarter. Got it. Port five degrees. Let's see if they follow us. Port five. Get the crew back to the muster stations. Right. Attention all crew, attention all crew, return to your muster stations. Repeat, return to your muster stations. This is not a drill, this is a real world situation. Yeah, Cap. I want to come up to 122. The helmsman at the bridge, second mate and helmsman at the bridge, please. You're good. Bring her on up. Give me U.S. Maritime Emergency. Two skiffs. Can't tell how many they're carrying. Copy that. There's no answer at the U.S. Maritime Emergency line. Where's the U.K. MTO? Right. What's up? We got two skiffs approaching. Get on the radar. Yeah. This is the Maersk, Alabama. Here's the captain. UK MTO. Operations? Receiving. This is the Maersk, Alabama. Our position is 2 degrees 2 north by 49 degrees 19 east. Our course is 180. Our speed is 17 knots. We have two skiffs approaching at a distance of 1.5 miles with a possible mothership following. Potential piracy situation. Copy, Alabama. You should alert your crew, get your fire hoses ready, and follow lockdown procedures. Uh, yeah, it, is that it? I'm relaying your transmission now, but chances are it's just fishermen. They're not here to fish. line they're not here to fish these four Somalian pirates you know little did the ship know the ship crew know were preparing and prepared to kill steal and destroy get everything they could for the sake of money and what's interesting about this particular situation is it has huge spiritual parallels uh, to our Christian experience uh, you say what well how well for starters you know Satan is much like a pirate he, he comes to kill, the Bible says in John 10, 10, he comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. In other words, he comes to hijack our lives. Your lives, uh, God has a, um, Vanessa was quoting the scripture just the other day, uh, John, Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a purpose and plan for your life. And those plans are good. And in relationship with him, he, God reveals that purpose and plan for our life. If we, if we live our life for him, Romans 12 tells us, you know, to don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Then you'll know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. That word perfect also could be translated personal will for your life. So we know God's personal, he has a plan for us, but the enemy also recognizes sometimes faster than we do and better than we do, not because he's omniscient, but because he's paying attention, he recognizes there's a plan that God has for us and he wants to hijack that plan. 
He wants to, he wants to create course you know, uh, changes for your life. And ultimately, he'd like to stop the plan of God altogether. And he wants to thwart that. You know, in Luke, um, <clears throat> Jesus was talking to Peter. And he, and he spoke to him and said, you know, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. He, want, he wants to just, he wants to wreck our lives. And, and so if, if, if the devil's the pirate, then kind of who are we in the story? You know, are we the captain? Are we the crew? You know, are we in charge or is someone else in charge? The truth is, this is a principle too and too much for t- this morning. But if you're fully in charge, you're always going to be fully responsible. You can't be in charge and not have responsibility. They're two sides of the same coin. I want to be in charge. I can remember my, my, my heart cried to my parents when, my, when they would leave, and it was just me and my sister. <laughs> That's what I used to think, you know what I mean? Just me and Janelle. When you leaving, Mom? When you leaving? How long? Door shut. Mwahaha! You know? But my parents would always leave and say, Derek, if you're going to be in charge, they were in a dilemma. I was three years older, but I was less responsible. They're like, <laughs> he's older, but we really should put Janelle in charge. Because I didn't understand responsibility. So let's talk about what happens when, when we're the captain of the ship. When we're the captain of our own life, three things we can learn. Number one, we can only find temporary relief in our efforts. Everybody say temporary relief. What you'll soon see and discover as you watch this movie is that Captain Phillips was a very intelligent, um, clever, uh, experienced, savvy captain. And as a result, he was able of his own efforts to provide a certain amount of temporary relief. He was good at what he did. A lot of times we're good at what we do. Many of us are like this. We're good at what we do. Talented, intelligent, capable. And you know what? It's, it's, those are things that are good. There's nothing bad about those, but sometimes they can convince us that we're okay by ourselves. We're, we become sometimes self-reliant and insulated from what God created us to be, and that is interdependent beings, not codependent, not, not independent, but connected to God and, in, and interdependent. And so we kind of have, you know, this mentality that, that unconsciously or consciously we say, I can handle it. You know, I think, never mind, I'm going to sing a song by, by Justin Bieber. I can handle it. I can handle it. Bigger than me, stronger than me. Okay. It makes us prone to self-reliance. And it can la- sorry about that. And it can later cost us. It can later cost us. We, we, in other words, we at times we 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 find or we provide for ourselves a temporary relief, and sometimes we find temporary relief through bad remedies. A lot of we're more aware of that, that sometimes we're 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 overcome by certain circumstances in our life, and so we we numb it with bad remedies. Sometimes though we do it with good remedies, and sometimes good is the enemy of the best in our lives. Sometimes we buy a certain way of thinking, like even culture tells us things like, you know, and again, I I don't know if this, this, if I can do this quickly, but, you know, what you can believe you can achieve, you know, and you can do anything you want. Well, I'm sorry to say, but I'm never going to look like Brad Pitt. I'm sorry to say, but my daughter, who's five feet, is never going to dunk a basketball. And I'm sorry to say, but many of you can't sing. <laughs> you make a joyful noise. Okay, like the Bible says. So there's sometimes good things that we say, and then we buy those, and then we live those, and then we get disappointed, and all of a sudden we're like, God, where were you? I was there the whole time, but you kind of excluded me from the situation. You became the captain of your life. Does that make sense to anybody out there? All right? So later in the movie, that principle will unfold even more. Uh, Number two, we discover we can't fight our foes forever. 
We can't fight our foes forever without help. Truth is, you really can't fight them at all. You're just kind of buying time. You're kind of deceiving yourself. Here's the thing, and this is what this particular movie reveals, and here's what's true about your enemy. Your enemy is relentless. Relentless. He'll just keep coming. And the next clip illustrates this so perfectly. I want you to see this because the, the, the pirates, they eventually find a gap in the defenses of this massive ship, which they, had, which they thought, you know, who could scale these walls? Who could get up on top of this? Listen, your enemy will keep a comments. Check this out. Come on, man! find you. Remember, you know the ship. They don't. Make them feel like they're in charge, but keep them away from the important things like the generator and the engine controls. Stick together. And we'll be all right. Good luck. Captain, 
ريلاكس نوبادي جيت هيرت نو القاعده هي جست بزنس وي وان ماني وين وي جيت بايد everything gonna be okay no one get hurt if you don't play no game uh, it's the ship's broken we had to go nobody gets hurt easy Because... hey look at me sure look at me sure i'm the captain now i'm the captain now Here's your next fill in the blank. We often have holes in our defenses we didn't see. A lot of times we're going through our Christian experience and we think we got it, we got it. Your enemy is relentless and he's always looking for a hole. He's always looking for a gap, a crack in the window of our spiritual house. And those things need to be shored up by something or someone sometimes. And if we don't deal with them quickly, you know, the enemy sometimes unknowingly is preparing an, a, an attack on our lives. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I, I do want to say that we, we're like, I used to use a Windows analogy. It's, it's kind of old school now, but you know how you, you know, this doesn't happen with Apple products. But you know how when you open Windows on your computer and every window that you opened, it would minimize the power of the computer. In other words, it got slower with every window that was open. It became more vulnerable to virus, et cetera, et cetera. So you'd have to close windows and close applications to keep the power up, to keep from being um, vulnerable. Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give the devil a way to defeat you. And one translation says, don't give the devil a foothold. I've always taught that a foothold can eventually become a stronghold. If you let him just get one little ladder on the ledge of the ship of your life, if you can just let him get, just get a little bit of a foothold onto the ship of your life, then that can become eventually a stronghold where suddenly it's right, you're right in you know, the captain's cabinet, so to speak, and you're able to take the ship. Things went from bad to worse, and, and later, uh, you know, what happened was uh, they took the captain hostage. Um, before that, the, 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 the crafty crew were able to seize one of the, the, um, the pirates, and so there was this kind of standoff where they were trying to get the ship, they were trying to get what they came for, but one of their crew had been taken, and so eventually they kind of organized an exchange. You give us back our crew member, and then uh, in exchange for that, uh, we'll, get, we'll leave the ship. But at the exchange, which is common for our enemy, they double-crossed the captain and his crew. And right at that particular point where the exchange was taking place, and they were just trusting it was going to go exactly, and they were just getting ready to put all these guys on one of these lifeboats and send them off, leave, here's your guy, now get off the ship. Right at that point, they, they took the captain hostage, threw him into that lifeboat, and they took off with him. They, they went from take the ship to take the captain as ransom. And the whole thing changed. And the devil always overpromises and underdelivers. The Bible says in John 8, 44, he is the father of lies. And everyone in the boat at the time is shocked, and the plan that they had had failed. Have you ever been there where your plans failed? things kind of fell apart for you. There are probably people that aren't even here today that know what I'm talking about. But when this happened, Captain Phillips came to realize, you know, in very short order, <laughs> I'm no longer the captain of the ship. I'm on a lifeboat now here struggling for my life. And in those situations, and what is so cool, I think, sometimes, and what we don't realize is that when life's out of control, God is still in control. In other words, we can't see it. He couldn't see it. He's in this lifeboat, com lifeboat completely contained with these four pirates. It's like Jonah and the whale in just a different sense. 
and he can't see what is happening behind the scenes. And a lot of times we confuse life with God. And I think it's important to not confuse life with God because God is good. And God is not taken by surprise ever. And so when Captain Phillips lost hope, there were these things taking place. Again, the U.S. Navy was preparing kind of an all-out rescue mission. It was kind of a, a you know, no matter what situation, they dispatched Navy SEALs, uh, multiple ships. America was willing to do anything to get the one. Spared no expense to save the one. It's actually highly motivating in the movie. And they found this little lifeboat there in open sea and they began negotiations with the pirates and, and, uh, for their prisoner. But in the middle of all of this incredible stuff that's happening behind the scenes, uh, and the, the, the captain kind of lost perspective. He's still in this self-reliant, if anything's going to happen, I'm going to have to make it happen kind of situation. And he tries to save himself, and it nearly cost him his life. And ultimately, he made a mistake that, that uh, could have changed everything. Why don't you check out this next clip where he tries to save himself. Salt water would be good for your foot. Come on! 
place we all have to kind of come to where, you know, we can sometimes see the solution, but we're trying to make it happen. We're trying to force something to happen. And uh, he comes to the realization, Captain Phillips, that he can't do it. You know, he's just going to have to release the responsibility. You know the phrase, let go and let God. You know, we've heard that phrase before. It's like, you know, faith, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things we don't see. He's got to trust Someone else beside himself. That fundamentally is how we can actually get in a position to be saved. We have to release, trust me, and trust God. And that's what he had to do. He had to trust the Navy. He had to trust that there were people working in the skies above, literally, flying in. In the seas, you know, in front of him, there were people there called and equipped to save him. He had to realize that the best person to be captain was God. Let me give you these three things. When God is the captain of our life, here's what we can learn. We'll eventually come to realize our efforts cannot save us. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, saving is all his idea and all his work. All, key word. All we do is trust him, enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor we make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He saves us and then he makes us into something that he's called us to be. And don't miss the metaphor here that he wasn't able to save himself. He was in a situation where it would take someone more powerful than him to rescue him ultimately from that situation. Maybe you know someone who's in a situation like that. Maybe you're in a situation like that. You're going to need someone or something more powerful than you to save you from that or, or for that Maybe it's in your finances, you know? It's like, have you ever got to a place where you're just like, you know what? There just continues to be more bills at the end of the month than money. There continues to be this cyclical problem or pattern where I struggle. Well, maybe you need God's intervention in that. There are ways that require trust, a transfer of trust from you to him to invite God into our finances. We talk about that here at Connect. Maybe it's something that's going on in your physical life where it's just like, you know what? I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And you've gone to the phone for this and the phone for this, but you haven't gone to the throne for this. And God's saying, when are you going to transfer trust to me? I'm there. I'm on the sea right around you. I'm, fly- I'm in the heavens above you, but I'm waiting for you to go, okay, 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 okay. How many of you are trying to save yourself? Sometimes we do works, we do things, and in the end we put ourselves in jeopardy by doing that in the process. It's actually a spiritual impossibility to save yourself, according to Scripture. It, it took the pirates, you know, uh, a little bit by surprise how much support there was there for him, but it looked like they were going to kill him as a result. And, and um, an elaborate plan, though, had been employed to save the captain, and it was afoot. And he can't, he can't know it. He doesn't fully understand it. But when we see that God is the captain of our lives, number two, we must trust and come to believe God is working behind the scenes even when we can't see it. That's what faith is. That's what a relationship with God is. It's trusting that my father is working behind the scenes, and he, his plan for me is good. It's like the old show, Father Knows Best. 
That's how God is. He's the God of the unseen, the impossible, and he's working to save you even when you're unaware. He's working to bring you to a place of security, a place of safety, a place of uh, significance. And how do I know? Because I've been on the other end of a rescue in my personal life. I've talked to many people on the other end of a rescue. And they, it's funny like how we say the phrase, hindsight is twenty twenty. We can see things totally differently. And when we look back, we say, wow, that was when, oh yeah, and this was when that was happening, and God was doing this. And and then he brought this person. And I didn't see it while it was happening along the way, but I can see, I, I can see clearly now the rain is gone, right? I could sing the song right now. You guys know I could do that, but I won't do it, all right? Romans 8, 26 through 28 says, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired swimming in the ocean, in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our worldless sighs, our aching and groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. He takes all of that and works it for good. Isaiah 45 says, Clearly, you are a God who works behind the scenes, God of Israel, Savior God. Sometimes some of us come to this realization along the way. It's not hindsight. It's actually in the middle. This is a sign of maturity. When you as a Christian and as a disciple realize, because the Bible says we'll all be tried. We're all going to experience difficult times, Christian or non-Christian. You don't sign up for Christianity and everything's just candy land and slides. Okay? No. You sign up for Christianity and you have an anchor in your life and you have a, an elder brother that's right there beside you. You have an intercessor and you have a Holy Spirit, a comforter. You have all these, you have, the, you have weapons in, in the spirit. You have the full armor of God. You have all kinds of things to help you navigate this cursed world. Amen? Amen. But, you, but a mature Christian realizes that while I'm in this, he is with me. I know it. He's alongside me. He's doing something maybe I cannot see, and I need to trust him. And so, and, and what happens is when we come to that place, and I think this is what happened. At a certain point in this movie, Captain Phillips came to a place where he's like, you know what? I think something's afoot. I got to stop trying to save myself and cooperate with the plan of the Navy. And that's what we have to do is cooperate with the plan of God. And then, because of that cooperation, there is a moment in time. We call it a Kairos moment here at Connect, kind of a defining moment, a God God moment, all of a sudden, it seems like at just the right time, the, 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 the enemy is eliminated in our lives. The, the, the situation changes. The circumstances are altered. And that's what happened in this movie. The Navy, the Navy eliminated the threat forcibly and freed Captain Phillips from his captors. It was a, a very dramatic conclusion to an impossible situation where it looked like there's no way that he could be free. And all his efforts to save himself, again, were thwarted, but he was saved when he surrendered to the plan. And check this out. In this next scene, you'll have to kind of fill in the blanks on what exactly happened here. And it's kind of, it would have been very graphic to show you, but I think you can, you can get the gist of what happened. The Marines come at the perfect time and save uh, Captain Phillips. Check this out. We're going to get you out of here and get you home. Take him down. Take him down. Get down. Get down. Three tangos down. Captain Phillips is safe and in route Bainbridge. Over. Right here. Go to this guy right here. Come with me, Captain. Just sit down. Are you okay? Are you okay? You should, my friend. Uh, Captain Phillips is free. 
all of your friends are dead. It's over. We're going to America now. Captain Phillips, please come in. Have a seat. Chamashu. I'm Chief O'Brien. I'll be your corpsman today, okay? Can you please tell me what's going on? Can you talk? Can you tell me what's going on? Yeah, uh, uh, I'm okay. Are you okay? Because you don't look okay. Are you in any pain right now? Are you in any pain uh, right now? Uh, right there on your side. Okay, let me see it really quick. Can you lift up your arm a little bit? Does that hurt? A little bit? A little bit. Okay, is it tender? Go ahead and put your arm down. Okay, I need you to look at me. I need you to calm down. I need you to breathe. There you go. Deep breaths. There you go. Very good. Awesome. Now I want you to relax your arm. Okay. Uh, they, uh, 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 there is, uh, it's okay. Take your time. Take your time. There's a two centimeter laceration on the left eyebrow. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. Okay. I want you to look at me and I want you to breathe. Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's about a four centimeter gap. A little laceration there on the left temple. Okay. Very good. All right. You're doing great. Okay. Did all this blood come from your eyebrow and your head? What? Did all the blood come from your eyebrow right here and on your head? Well, not all not, of this. No, not all of it. Okay. That's not mine. Okay. All right. All right. Look at me. Okay. We're going to lay you down. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Want you to lay down nice and gently. Nice and gently. Okay. Uh, You're okay. I got you. There you go. Uh, Very good. Captain, you're safe now, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. You're okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Does my family know? Your family knows you're safe, and you will be able to call them as soon as you are taken care of. Sir, I need you to breathe, okay? You are safe and you are fine. It's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. It'll be okay. You know, when I see this movie, it's, of course, very stirring. And Tom Hanks is a phenomenal actor. Um, I think that this applies to every single person in this room because the sooner that we can see God as the captain of our lives, and I don't mean just in terms of salvation, like have I transferred my trust to him as my savior, but I also mean as Lord, captain of your soul. You know, surrendering every part of your life to God fully, full cooperation. And again, I think that God's given us the opportunity in a situation like this to not have to have a hindsight experience where we see things after the fact. The sooner that we can see God as the captain of our soul, the sooner that we can be safe. You're safe now, Captain Phillips. You're safe now. Maybe there's certain things that could even be avoided. Maybe certain pitfalls and sinkholes in our life could be avoided the sooner that we are fully surrendered to him. Maybe today is the day of salvation for someone here. Maybe God has maybe even been orchestrating something unbeknownst to you for months, weeks, days to bring you to a place where you could kind of see something clear.
The third point is this. We must understand that God's timing, method, and plan are perfect. Romans 5 says this. You see, you see, I hope you do. You see at just the right time. Everybody say at just the right time. That's the kairos moment. That's the Greek word kairos. You see, at just the right time when we're still powerless, what? To save ourselves, to rescue ourselves, Christ died for us. When all hope is lost and the winning is nowhere in sight, Jesus is always ready to rescue the one. Always, always, always ready to rescue the one because it has, you have value. And he wants to, you to do the same. Once you've been rescued, you're, you're really called to be one of the crew on God's ship to help rescue other people, to be a part of those rescue missions. Ephesians 2.10 says he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. I think that's the church's mission. And if you would just put your notes away and let's just pray for a minute. Let's give God a, a moment and of time to... Speak to us through this message. Being very still, please. With every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Thank you. I don't know if there could be one this morning, two, three, maybe, who here needs to be rescued. You're like Captain Phillips. You've been running the show. Intelligent, clever, smart maybe prepared yourself for certain things in life, maybe even have a little money in the bank, you got a plan, you know how things are gonna go, you feel like you've anticipated as much as possible. I'm just saying your enemy's relentless and, and if you haven't experienced an attack, I'm not saying this to scare you, I'm just saying this to be real, you will, you will. And I want you to have, I want you to have an army behind you of support. I want you to have more than Navy SEALs and, and the Navy itself and orders from the president. I want you to have orders from God that if you're lost and you're in trouble and you've been taken captive, you've been kidnapped in any aspect of your life, that you know that God at his disposal will dispatch angels on your behalf, that you have a God that will come to rescue you. You have a God that already did come to rescue you. He came from heaven to earth to show you the way and to make a way for you to be right with him and to be in relationship with him. Maybe you're there and you're ready to come to him today and make him your savior and your Lord. And if you've never done that before, this is this part where you make the decision. When you leave, you decide whether you're gonna be a disciple, but the decision's a big deal. It's something you should tell somebody, something you should give away if you want it to stick. And if that's you today and you want to make a decision today, invite Jesus Christ into your life. And you've never done that. Like you, you believe in him, but you've never invited him in. He stands at the door and knocks to see if you'll let him in. Well, I don't have it all worked out. You, you can't. He, he wants to be the captain of your life. And if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, good and high, say, pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? God bless you. God bless you all the way to the back. Is there anybody else that says, that's me? God bless you. God bless you. I haven't done that before, and I want him to be my Savior and my Lord today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You made it all worth it for me. He, he'll come for just one, and thank God there were four. Would you pray this with me, church? Just say, and those of you that raised your hand, pray this prayer and mean it from your heart. Say, Jesus, thank you that you care about me, that you'd go out of your way just for one 
And I'm that one today. And I invite you into my life today with a sincere heart and with faith. I transfer my trust to you. Save me spiritually. Make me one with you, God, today. Be the Lord and the Savior of my life, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now look at me, everybody else, listen. You have a responsibility, and, and, and I may even talk about this a little bit tonight, but you have a responsibility and a role to help save the one. You're part of God's crew. You all play, there's somebody out there, and I hope that you see that what God values, we should value. And if you want his favor on your life, and I want it on this church, then we have to make the one a priority. I think God blesses us and he'll bless his church when we have his agenda. And he's interested in those that are completely lost, people that messed up, people that feel judged, criticized, ostracized, completely insulated, pushed out, pushed away. We're called to reach those kind of people. You were one of those people. We got to give away what God's given us, and that's what Christianity is. It's just give it away. Amen? Can you give the Lord a big hand clap? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Vanessa.